0: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members. And City Weekly, a local independent news source with event listings, entertainment picks, movie and restaurant reviews, available weekly on newsstands or online at cityweekly.net.
1: Thanks for tuning in for Access Utah. Before we jump into uh, what uh, I think promises to be a fun program, always, uh, we uh, want to know what you're reading. Get uh, a UPR community book list. We have a response to yesterday's program. Uh, You'll recall that we talked with James Pogue. Uh, His book is called Chosen Country. Uh, He uh, embedded, I guess the word you might call it, he was invited in. James Pogue was uh, by Ammon Bundy, um, and he was there during parts of the Malheur uh, standoff. He's also studied militia uh, movements, patriot movements around the West. And so we uh, got had a lot of discussion from the perspective of uh, people like the Bundys, uh, the uh, Oath Keepers, the Patriots. Um, and uh, interesting, of course, to get that perspective, Veronica from Teasdale has uh, emailed us. Uh, she says, Those who tout the glories of the stalwart, uh, independent Western rancher of yore and yearn to return to the fabled days of yesteryear fail to acknowledge the real history of those early pioneers. The reality is that the available forage in the West, uh, in the arid West, was clear cut in the first 15 years of importing European hoofed livestock into the arid American West. In the late 1700s, and it has never returned. Take a look at photos of uh, Cliven's—I think—meaning Cl- Cliven Bundy's pitiful beasts online. The two factors that are rarely taken into account that are that uh, the arid lands of Western America never supported large, heavy grazers like cows. Bison are a plain species. Remember. Second, today's public lands ranchers rely on massive public subsidies on everything from grazing fees to tractors, water development, crop insurance, disaster insurance, etc. Even with these, the typical rancher has a wife who works in town to make ends meet. The West is littered with dying towns from which youth must flee to uh, find a livelihood. All of this tragedy, still supported by federal largesse, (coughs) still accounts for less than 3% of the beef we consume. That's uh, Veronica in Teasdale. Thanks for that comment. Keep those coming at upraccess at gmail.com. Welcome to Access Utah. As we head towards summer, we want to know what you're reading. What's on your nightstand or device right now? Is there a book that has had a big impact on you? Which books are you looking forward to reading? Perhaps you'd like to tell us a personal story connected to a favorite book. We'd love to hear about books in the adult, young adult, and children's categories. One suggestion, or many, are welcome. We're going to compile a UPR community book list. You can call us right now to 800-826-1495. Love to hear from you. 800-826-1495. Uh, or you can email us to upraccess at Access at com we're going to get reading suggestions from Catherine Weller, Weller Bookworks uh, here shortly. Ann Holman, a little late in the program, from King's English Bookshop, will join us, and Shauna Meyer from Central Book Exchange at Sugar House will join us as well. And UPR friend and avid reader, Elaine Thatcher, is with us in studio. As Hi, always. Tom. Thanks nice for to be here. thanks for coming in. Let's jump right in, Elaine. What's top of your uh, reading list here?
0: Well, um, I have had a fairly eclectic reading list the past uh, quarter, um, but um, I don't know which, probably the most significant book that I read that I felt was uh, important was Four Souls by Louise Erdrich. She's a Native American writer, and um, it's about, I actually hadn't read the first book, uh, and I forget the name of it. Anyway, this is a continuation of a story, and it takes place in the upper Midwest, so I can't remember if she's Ojibwe, I think. I think she's Ojibwe, yeah. Yeah, and... um, and so it's it's a fascinating story it takes place around the turn of the century a little after the turn of the century.
1: All right. I've never read I've always had that on my list to read yes. Louise Erdrich. Mm-hmm. Um how 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 is it? It
0: was it was very it was deep. It was um soul searching, mm-hmm. you know. Um uh, not there there was definitely plot and there were some really interesting characters. It's definitely character driven. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful writing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got a connection there. I'm um, my, my dad's uh, part, uh, you know, small part Ojibwe. Oh, so cool. I am a little bit smaller, you know, <laughs> part <laughs> as well. But I, oh, you I better read like, her books. Then. I feel <laughs> a connection, and so I've always had it. On my so I, I should move that from intention to action. <laughs> Louise Erdrich. Uh, we welcome in Catherine Weller from Weller Bookworks. Uh, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, good morning. How are you two? Doing Hi,
1: well. Good. Doing well. Uh, so, Louise Erdrich, we just mentioned her top of the program. What uh, have you? Are you familiar with Louise Erdrich? I'm guessing you are.
3: She is
2: one of America's finest living novelists. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that. yeah. I, mean, I can't say much more than that. She is truly an extraordinary writer who, who gets the sweep of modern history and ancient history and draws such vibrant and unique characters. She really is a pleasure to read.
0: Yes.
1: All right. Well, I'll move that off intention into action. I'll, I'll yeah, you better out. go <laughs> get one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what's top of your list, uh, Catherine?
2: Well, you know, every time I get ready for one of these shows, I stack up the books and I think, what am I going to start with? And what I'm going to start with is going to pivot off of your comments about yesterday's show and the book Chosen Country, which is Also, truly fantastic. But the top of my nonfiction list is another one of those books that is going to become one of those classics that really demonstrates how the Old West is meeting the New West. It's called The Last Cowboys, a Pioneer Family in the New West, and it's by John Branch. Mm -hmm. This is set in. Utah, by and large, and it is about a Utah family, the family of Bill and Evelyn Wright, who live down in southern Utah. They are ranchers who have been ranchers for a couple generations, and now they're parents to 13 children and grandparents to many, many more. And they're trying to figure out how to maintain their ranching heritage and their ranch itself in this modern economy and what they end up doing is uh... joining the rodeo it began with bill and went down to his sons and so the sons go on to the rodeo circuit and make enough money to help subsidize the family's life on the ranch in addition to what the woman from teesdale wrote this morning about the ranch wives Um, You know, for every rancher, there's a ranch wife who works in town. But this story is so well told. It really is... the the people in here are alive and authentic. 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 <laughs> um, Branch spent much much time with the uh, Wright family down in Southern Utah and traveling with them to rodeos and following them on the circuit. And they are very successful riders. You get the real heart of this family. The what drives them to want to keep on the land and what drives them to want to keep competing in rodeos despite the money, or in addition to the money, because that in itself is another hard, hard life if
0: they're if they yeah if they're really very good they can earn enough yeah that this was just the topic of a right i was a, just
1: going to say last week we uh, yeah. had john branch on what yeah. a wonderful ah. book and uh, had a great conversation and i'll i'll mention it again i mentioned it on the program it's it's going to sound like i have a personal connection to every book but uh, probably just <laughs> the first two um i i suspected because my my uh, mother her maiden name was right and I, I wondered, could I be connected to these, this Wright family? And the first chapter, they do the ancestry. And sure enough, <laughs> I, I share a great-great-great-grandfather great with this Bill Wright. So I'm, I'm connected in. But it's, it's an extraordinary book. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's a wonderful book.
2: It is terrific. And I really do think that this is going to be a book that lasts and lasts and lasts on, on the shelves because mm-hmm. its story is so well told. And it is so timely.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's uh, John Branch, The Last Cowboys. What's Mm -hmm. next on your list, uh, Catherine?
2: Um, Next nonfiction title I have is something completely different. It's called The Woman's Hour, The Great Fight to Win the Vote by Elaine Weiss. Uh, We've heard a lot about uh, women in politics of late and suffrage. We're coming up to the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage in 2020. This book begins with three people converging in Tennessee, three women who are going to uh lobby and testify and politically fight over the Tennessee legislature's vote to ratify the amendment to the Constitution that would allow women to vote? It pivots from there into a great history of women in politics it's not all cut and dried; there are large personalities who have a lot to say and do, and it's not all great there's There's a lot about um the history of women's suffrage and the history of african Americans getting to to vote and um that was something that was left behind in the fight for women's suffrage so it, it's a really wonderful uh history about a a topic that again is very timely right now, and we're going to keep hearing about it up to twenty twenty It's also just a really good read. It you are dropped in immediately and you keep going. It never gets really
3: polemical.
1: Yeah, uh, here again, uh, I had a chance to talk with Elaine Wise on Access Utah. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> uh, uh, is is my job great or what? Um, <laughs> it's
3: so, fantastic.
1: So uh, uh, in March, you can uh, people can look that up along with the last Cowboys. And yeah, it is a great p- read. Uh, Pulse pounding. I mean, you know the outcome. But it is uh, it is a pulse-pounding read and, and a, a part of this history that I hadn't been familiar with. Well, I think
0: it's really interesting how the um, the civil rights movement for African Americans and the women's movement are connected in, in different ways. Um, you know, later in the 60s, the uh, civil rights movement took the forefront, and the women's movement emerged out of that of uh, and there's some really interesting history there, too. And I, I took a women's history class in graduate school, and that was eye-opening, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just a, So that's Elaine Weiss, The Woman's Hour, highly recommended as, as well by, by uh, I guess, all of us. Uh, so that's the second on Catherine Weller's uh, list. What's, what's next?
2: Um, very rapidly, the last one, which also can uh, be thought of as women's history... But it's also Utah history is Emily Emmeline B Wells by Carolyn Carol Madsen. Mm -hmm. Uh, This came out from University of Utah Press this year, and it is a really wonderful, deep history of Emmeline B Wells, who, in addition to being one of the early settlers of the Salt Lake Valley, was an agitator for women's rights and suffrage. She also witnessed so many uh, big moments in LDS Church history. This uh, history uh, draws on her diaries and a few other outside source materials. It is, again, told in a way that is very approachable. It's not at all dry, so it's a wonderful Utah history to pick up.
1: So tell us the uh, author and title again.
0: Emmeline B. Wells by Carol
1: Madsen. All right, I'll have to pick that up. That's Carol Cornwall
0: Madsen. She's a great historian. That is her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. friend of mine. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, good. <laughs> All right, <laughs> another connection. <laughs>
1: good, good deal. We're
0: having a real two degrees of separation. We, we are.
1: <laughs> we are. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Well, well, thank you, Catherine Weller.
2: Sure. Um, do I is, have time is, for yes, one or two? Yes.
1: Certainly. Yes.
2: Okay, so I'm going to pivot to fiction very quickly. Um, The House of Broken Angels by Luis Alberto Urea is just one of those big, beautiful, sprawling family sagas that is heartwarming and funny and something you will carry with you after you have finished reading with it reading it. It's the story of Big Angel de la Cruz, who is the patriarch of this ginormous Mexican-American family in California. Their roots are so deep in there that they lived in Southern California before it was a state. But as as things happen, people have traveled back and forth, and it opens with him getting ready um, for his mother's funeral. By the end of the book, he is. You know, at the beginning, he's about to die, so I'm not giving you a spoiler. By the end of the book, he, we're looking at his funeral. But in between there, there is this portrait of a massive, raucous, loving family that is so delightful. Um, Urea is such a good storyteller, and he has such vibrant characters that. This is a pleasure from beginning to end. It sounds sad, but it it's joyful so, on uh, every page.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds wonderful. I, I I love those sprawling family dramas. Yes,
2: yes, yes. One could benefit from a family tree in here, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. it's called the House of Broken Angels, and it's by Luis Alberto Urea. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> The next one is one that's a little bit more difficult. It's called The Mars Room. It's a novel by Rachel Kushner. This is her third novel, and every novel Kushner writes is very different in tone. She is masterful in her writing style. This one begins with a woman who is on a prison bus heading to uh, a lifetime of incarceration. And it is told, at the, for the first half, entirely in her voice, and little episodic snippets. So you get snippets of her communicating with people on the bus, some of whom she likes, some of whom are so annoying you just wish they would shut up. <laughs> um, and these pieces of her life. And that is the one of the devices that is used all through these, this novel. It's pieces of of paragraphs that give you pieces of life, and eventually they create this great big portrait of how this woman ended up in prison. Um, what, it's actually kind of interesting reading about how people are admitted into prison. You know, once they get there, what happens to them? And prison life... Um, Working in shops, going to classes, how the women are trying to make people and how they're trying to make actual genuine connections. It really is quite an amazing work. It's called The Mars Room by Rachel Kushner.
1: Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then the last novel I have, I almost hesitate to talk about because I I still haven't figured out how to talk about it and do it justice. It's called The Overstory, and it's by Richard Powers. I believe this is about his twelfth novel. Um, and this novel it begins in it's a set of seemingly unrelated vignettes. There, there are people and times that you're not quite seeing the, the lines between. Uh, a Norwegian immigrant who is uh, planting a uh, chestnut tree. Uh, a woman whose father escaped from China who is interacting with a different kind of tree in a very wonderful way, and then uh, the son of a Silicon Valley engineer who um, interacts with trees and makes some great discoveries with them, and finally the woman who begins tying the whole thing together is a scientist named Patricia Westerford, who is a botanist. She just she discovers, and that's kind of in quotes, that trees are communal and communicate. And publication of this discovery costs her, her career because it's can seen as anthropomorphic and not scientific. So of course this book is about people, but really it's about trees large and communication writ large in communities and the interweavings of of stories, it is absolutely astonishing. Um, The way that Powers gets um, a narrative and momentum over and over again from these stories that are gradually woven together is really quite remarkable. Um, He truly is a wonderful, wonderful writer. Uh, He's so skilled at capturing characters. And he can do it really quickly, and you're just connected with those people immediately as they're going through their lives. And you're connecting with the trees in this story. There was a book that came out a couple of years ago called The Hidden Life of Trees. It's nonfiction um, by oh, Peter Walbein, I think, Walbein. Um, This is a novel for everybody who loved that book, and for people who love novels that make them think about ecology differently. And I would say even for people who loved The Botany of Desire, uh, the old Michael Pollan book, because it really is about this interconnectedness of people and the environment in which we inhabit.
1: That sounds wonderful. Yeah, so it gives the... uh... author and title again It
2: is The Overstory by Richard Powers and I can't recommend it highly enough.
1: Okay, that's wonderful. Well, thank you uh that's a wonderful list and we'll have that up on our website upr.org uh, Catherine Weller from Weller Bookworks. Thank Thanks, you.
0: Thanks, Catherine. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye,
1: Bye now. We're going to take a break when we come back we'll have Ann Holman from uh, the King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City. Later in the hour, uh, Shana Meyer from Central Book Exchange in Sugar House. Your lists as well, and uh, we do have several uh, by email. You can get yours in by uh, calling us at 800-826-1495 or email upraccess at gmail.com, Upraccess at com, And uh, we'll uh, go down Elaine's list as well. Lane Thatcher is with me. More following this break.
2: I'm Robin Young. The Justice Department accepts President Trump's demand for an expanded investigation into possible FBI surveillance of the Trump campaign. The South Korean president visits Washington. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo lays out tough new sanctions against Iran. Our midweek political strategist roundtable convenes next time, here and now. Join us this morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio.
0: Hey, I'm Tom Power. Do you find that when you travel, when you get home, you just look at life differently? The B.C. band Yukon Blonde feel that way. After writing most of their album in Spain, they feel like
1: they have a new, different take on their music. And they'll perform some of it for you live. That's coming up on Q from PRI, Public Radio International.
2: Join us this afternoon
0: at 1 on Utah Public Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams in studio with me is Elaine Thatcher. And uh, we're hearing what she's reading. We're uh, getting your reading suggestions, and we're compiling a UPR community book list. We'll have that up later today at upr.org. You can email us with your list to upraccess@gmail.com. at gmail.com, at gmail.com. You can call us at 800-826-1495. Before we go to Ann Holman, I want to get into at least a part of uh, this first uh, email that we've received. This is from Peg. Uh, She says, warm weather is outdoor binge reading time for me. I can't wait to get outside after work and all day on weekends. May is the sweetest month of all. And she says, just binged. Louise Schaefer's Three Miss Margarets, Small Town Georgia Familial Relations Across Generations. It's Louise Schaefer's Three Miss Margarets. Stephen L. Carter's Palace Council, Political Intrigue from 1950s Harlem to the Watergate Era. And Deborah Dean's Confessions of a Falling Woman short story collection. Also wrote Madonnas of Leningrad. Loved Dan in the gray flannel rat suit. So those two books, Stephen L. Carter's Pal- Palace Council and Deborah Dean's Confessions of a Falling Woman. Uh, Peck says, currently binging Anthony Doors, All the Light We Cannot See. Wonderful writing. We can see why it won the Pulitzer Prize. Jacket cover says he lives in Boise. Possible access Utah guest says Peg, well we uh, we've had him on uh, for the for that <laughs> book, um, so I'll try to I'll try to find that in the archives. That'd be a nice one to put on as a repeat broadcast. Uh, so yeah. he's a wonderful writer, wonderful conversationalist as well. And Peg says on deck pile on the porch. Stephen L Carter's uh, back channel, more political intrigue. This one in the backdrop of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Why we sleep? Neuroscientist uh, Matthew Walker shares new research and thinking. George Saunders, Lincoln in the Bardo, and Marmee and Louisa, the untold mm. story of Louisa May uh, Alcott and her uh, mother by Eve LaPlante. Um, uh, bought it because the cover illustration is of a painting that hung above our sofa in my childhood home, couldn't resist. <laughs> that's, that's a nice uh, picture. And uh, we will get the rest of uh, that email in after we talk with Ann Holman. Ann Holman from the King's English uh, Bookshop. Thanks for joining us.
3: Hi, Tom. Hi, Ling. Hello.
1: Hi. What's uh, top of your list?
3: Well, I have to agree with Catherine that The Overstory is one of the books that's on the top of my list for sure. Beautiful, beautiful writing. Uh, she did a great job describing it, so I won't spend too much time on it, but it's a big, big, beautiful book, and it gave me a new appreciation for trees and what they do for us, slowly but surely. Hmm. So that's a... The one I want to talk about, first of all, is uh, called Warlight. It's by Michael Ondaatje brand new, from the writer of The English Patient and The Cat's Table, and if you love The English Patient, you're going to just love Warlight. It is quiet and beautiful. His writing is, I feel like, semi-autobiographical all the time, because the things that he comes up with, it seems like they can't they can't just spring from his imagination. They have to be based in something. This story is about two young... Um, a brother and a sister... And at the very beginning of the book, their parents kind of abandon them, and they don't know why. And that's what sets the book in motion, particularly for the young boy. He spends the rest of his life trying to figure out where did they go, and who was his mother, and who was his father. It's post-World War II, and we find out later that his mother was a spy, and she left because she was trying to protect the kids. And I'm not giving too much away, but the people that are left in charge of these young people (laughs) are funny and strange and mysterious and you don't really know who they are and where they came from but they have wild adventures all over London and and then the second half of the book is as the young boy's grown up he's trying to decipher what happened beautiful beautiful writing I'm sure you guys love the English patient and you know exactly what I'm talking about but it's Warlight by Michael Andachi, and it just came out
1: no that's that's wonderful um what's the next on the list
3: Well, I I also want to talk about American by Day. So Derek Miller is an expat. He lives in Norway. And his first book was several years ago called Norwegian by Night. I probably talked about it. Funny, really crafty mystery about a Jewish watchmaker who's been relocated to Oslo and doesn't know what he's doing. Great mystery. Pick it up. This American by Day picks up where that book left off, but it takes the Oslo chief of police. Her name is Sigrid. And she's gone to visit her father, and her father says, well, I hate to tell you this, but your brother has disappeared in America, and I bought you a plane ticket. You have to leave tomorrow to go figure out where he is. And so that's what sets the book in motion. Mm. She lands in upstate New York. She's never been to America, and she's quite puzzled by some of the things that we do. And she's trying to find her brother. The sheriff that she meets is a character unto himself, and it's about... Trying to find her brother, but also trying to understand American culture, and a great mystery. You can't see, you know, a great mystery to me is when you can't predict the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's how America by Day is, and that just came out. I so hope he keeps writing about these characters because they are wonderful. So that's Derek Miller, he is an American, but he lives in Norway now. He married a, a Norwegian woman. I think that's why he's there.
1: Uh, and and the so t- my
3: my favorite. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, what's the title my again?
3: Favorite, it's American by Day.
1: American by Day. Okay. By Great. Derek
3: Miller. So here's the one that we're really excited about. Anne Cannon has uh, written a new book. Anne, as you know, is hmm. the columnist at the Salt Lake Tribune. She's mm-hmm. done many things in her life, but that's mm-hmm. one of the things she's currently doing. Children's book author, writer, mom, and also daughter of LaBelle Edwards.
1: That's right.
3: She has... I know. So she has a she's collected her Salt Lake some of her Salt Lake Tribune columns in a new book called I'll Tell You What, and the reason it's called that is because that's what her dad used to say all the time. <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. And so it's funny. I mean, it's Ann Cannon at her best, and it's a collection of columns, um, kind of based on themes, you know, family, animals, holidays. But at the end of the day, it's a loving, loving tribute to her dad. And hmm. funny pictures and funny stories. It's fifteen ninety five, paperback. We're going to have events all over the place. I'm sure you'll be able to buy it everywhere, but it's just going to be the perfect gift for Father's Day. The perfect gift for anybody who loved Anne, and and loves to laugh. We're oh, very very excited about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's she's a very funny writer and you know pointed yeah, as well. Yes, Wonderful. Yes.
3: She is funny. Yeah. So <laughs> I know we're really excited about it. Uh, Another really funny writer is Jeff Metcalf. He is a professor at the University of Utah. He's written a couple of books. His newest is called Backcast, Fly Fishing and Other Such Matters. It's from the University of Utah, and it's a collection of essays about fly fishing, but also he has really battled um, cancer for for many years, actually, and has an interesting take on that. The first essay, in fact, is a um, he he believes he's been invited to speak to a group of men who are cancer survivors. And they're going to meet in this faraway place. They're going to talk about cancer, and they're also going to fly fish. And he thinks he's going to be a fly fishing guide. And he gets there, and the roster says, well, no, you're actually um, one of the participants. And he says, oh, no, I'm one of the guides. And they say, no, no, you're one of the participants. (laughs) <laughs> and it's the story of, of of what he uncovers and the men that he meets and the things that they share. And it just goes on from there. Yeah. Really heartfelt, hard, but also so funny and so dear.
1: Yeah, so he's, that's that cast. he's a wonderful writer. I, I've interviewed him on his previous book, Requiem for the Living. Um
3: yeah okay so you're going to love
1: this. Yeah, book. I'll I'll love this book. And by the way, it just to give you a flavor he, he wrote a play about his adventures in prostate cancer. It's called A Slight he Discomfort. Did. And that that'll give you the flavor. He he takes things on with humor.
3: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, Tom, you'll have to have him on for backhand. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, we'll have we'll, we'll have to get, bring him on.
3: Uh two other nonfiction that we've really we really loved. Uh Craig Childs has a new book called Atlas of a Lost World. Travels in Ice Age America. And, you know, Craig doesn't do anything halfway. He immerses himself to the nth degree. And so in this book, he goes, literally, he goes up to Alaska, and he investigates the Bering Strait and the supposed land bridge. And I don't know if you knew a lot about the land bridge. I guess I assumed it was maybe, you know, 50 miles wide, and people walked across it. In fact, it was 1,000 miles wide. and a thousand miles across, and he said probably there weren't a lot of people walking across it. And so the book is a study in how did people get to America? Did they come that way? Did they come other ways? And he studies archaeological evidence all over America about where people came from, how they survived, how they didn't survive. Um, Again, some trademark humor, but he researches things very carefully, and the history's amazing. Hmm. That's Atlas of a Lost World Travels in Ice Age America.
1: Cool. Yeah, that sounds interesting. That's wonderful. I have to pick that one up as well. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a, a a great list. Uh, anything else?
3: Well, real quickly, um, West Like Lightning: The Brief Legendary Ride of the Pony Express. That's by Jim DeFelice, and he's coming to visit us in a couple of weeks. And you guys probably knew, but I don't think I realized that the Pony Express only lasted about a year and a half. Yes,
0: yeah. Maybe even less. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: which is which is so interesting to think about. Um, and so that's what he's doing in this book. He's tracing the the, 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 the path of the Pony Express, but more than that, the company who started it, the young men who rode for it, and, and what it really meant, in the kind of the mythology of the American West. So that's West Like Lightning.
1: Yeah, that's a wonderful book. I had him on Axis Utah, I think, last week. Um,
3: and, oh, you uh, did? Yeah, great, oh,
1: great history. By the way, just parenthetically, um, I was taking a walk in the Logan Cemetery, <laughs> and I noticed there's an unusual monument there. It's it's a sphere, a, a big mm-hmm, uh, ball. Mm-hmm. And I, I was um, I was curious, so I, I walked up to that. I can't remember the, the fellow's last name. It's George Washington something. Thatcher. Huh. George Washington Thatcher. Oh, you would you would know. <laughs> and and uh, uh, adjacent to the to monument uh, is a little plaque. It says "Certified uh, Pony Express Rider."
0: Oh, I didn't know that about him.
1: Yeah, is, is he related to you? Yeah, Lynn? yeah, he's okay. a
0: great great uncle.
1: Okay, so that's just parenthetic, uh, But uh, he's he's apparently certified uh, Pony Express writer. Uh, he's buried here in the Logan Cemetery. But yes, West Like Light Lightning, wonderful book. Well,
3: there's almost zero degrees of separation. Yeah, I right. like I <laughs> this, this is getting <laughs> weird. That's, that's right. <laughs> a theme to the program
1: here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Anne Holman, thank you so much.
3: Thanks. Thanks, you guys.
1: Uh, oh, appreciate bye. it, and Holman King's okay. English Bookshop. Uh, so some wonderful books there, and uh, turns out several of those you can go to our uh, website upr.org, click on Access Utah, and you'll find some great interviews with some of these authors. Uh, let's see, before we go to break, and then we're gonna we're going to have uh, Shauna from uh, the Central Book Exchange on with us uh, next. Uh, so what's next on your list? Next, uh, well, two or you know, three. this this quarter for me
0: was sort of like stress reading, anti-stress reading. So it was a lot of light reading, and I read several cozy mysteries. You know, um, not something that I ordinarily read, but they're fun. You know, once in a while I read. Uh, but the best, of course, of all, was um, another Lord Peter Whimsy.
1: Okay. <clears throat> and, uh,
0: yeah. This was uh, Murder Must Advertise, and the interesting thing about this one for me. I didn't know Dorothy Sayers worked in the advertising business, Um, and I couldn't get over her descriptions of the processes. Even, Even, you know, early in the 20th century, the processes and the deadlines and the Feisty customers, and her descriptions of the advertising business are just amazing (laughs) and so true. Um, But uh, just, again, another wonderful Lord Peter Whimsy. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: Dorothy Sayers. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Murder Must Advertise.
1: Okay. uh, Maybe another one?
0: Yeah, and I finally got around to reading A Wrinkle in Time because the movie was coming out. I still haven't seen the movie, but... um, it's one of those things that I've wanted to read forever. Mm-hmm. Um it's a youth book yeah. and it has that um that you know it has that sort of clear um less ambiguous moral tone. Yeah. You know, and yet it's a it's a wonderful adventure and um imaginative it's and and beautifully written it's it, by madeline langle you know mm-hmm. it's so i suppose i'll see the movie at some time but uh, the the book is definitely worth reading
1: you did like it i did okay. yes and i i've heard about it a lot and i haven't read it either so yeah it's one
0: like. of those you know
1: <laughs> yeah um let me uh, get this uh, in as well to finish up uh, Peg's email before we bring Sean on. Um, this is Peg. She says, Just bought at Becky's bookstore today, Doris Lessing's The Golden Notebook, 1962, also Nobel Prize in Literature winner. Uh tip from NPR Book Review about uh, Lara Fregel's Free Woman, which is about Doris Lessing. The Golden Notebook is about a writer who keeps four notebooks on various aspects of her life, hoping to thread them into one work. Uh, next up from Peg's List, A Lady Cyclist's Guide to Kashgar by Suzanne Joinson, for obvious interest in cycling through eastern Turkestan in 1923. Peg finishes, this is starting to get manic. Thanks for asking. So,
0: <laughs> thanks, Peg. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Peg.
1: Uh, so some great reads there. We'll have this up on our website, UPR.org. We uh, now bring in um, uh, Shauna uh, Meyer. Am I saying your last name correctly?
3: That is correct yes
1: Shauna Meyer from Central Book Exchange in Sugar house uh yeah. so Shauna Meyer you're are you familiar? Have you read uh the Wrinkle in time? oh
4: yeah, I read Wrinkle in Time, probably in middle school. I felt like it was acquired okay. by my middle school teachers
1: yeah okay, yeah, I really
4: liked it a lot. There's actually um, a bunch, it's like a series, it's like a quartet, which I didn't realize when I was in when I was reading it, but now I realize that there's like a big series related to it as
0: well. So. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah, I'll have to put that uh, on my list. Uh, it's one of those it's where... you to say
0: you've read it at least. I yeah. have, to, have to say I've read yeah. it yet. not know what I can't, it's about, yeah. I can't say that right now. Don't see the movie without reading
1: it yeah. Okay, good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't um, seen the movie either, but Okay. I, yeah, <laughs> the books <really> good. <laughs> okay, what's first on your list, Shana?
4: Uh, so I chose, um, Sandy Lion Wine by Ray Bradbury, which, mm. um, I chose because it's a great summer read, uh, because it takes place in 1928 in the fictional town of Greentown, Illinois, which is kind of loosely based upon Bradbury's childhood home. Uh, and it, it's literally just short stories kind of related around that summer in 1928, uh, and it's a in a typical Bradbury style. It's, um, it, well, this is actually unlike most of other Bradbury's work in that it's kind of more personal. Um, it does kind of still contain, um, like, the fantastical, um, but not a lot, kind of removed. And it's more focused on just kind of this boy's childhood. And it kind of intertwines with Bradbury's own experience. Imagination. It's a great um, summer
1: read. place doing a summer so, Okay, yeah, great. I chose uh, that one. Uh, Shauna, you were you were cutting out a little bit. I'm not sure. Oh, Maybe sorry. put the put the mouthpiece the next year your your mouth or something. Uh, so, what's next on your list?
4: Uh, my next one I chose was a memoir um, called "So Many Books, So Little Time: A Year of Passionate Reading" by Sarah Nelson, hmm. um, and she is. Um, Uh, writer for a couple I think like Glamour magazine and New York Times and stuff. She's kind of a journalist. But this memoir is her, she decides as a New Year's uh, kind of resolution to read a book a week uh, and then write about them. So she like sets out with this plan to like read specific books every week and it's like meticulously planned out. And then she realizes that it all falls apart, and what she plan on reading, she doesn't want to read, and the <laughs> other stuff kind of speaks to her more. Um, but she does read a book a week and kind of journals about them, which and it's it's kind of fun because it kind of shows how we choose the books, but the book kind of chooses the reader somehow as mm-hmm. well. It's kind of fun to see. I think
1: that's true. Yeah, that sounds like a good book for for readers, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're an avid reader, that's uh, that'd be a nice book to to pick up. Uh, what's what's next on your list, Shanna? Uh,
4: my other choice was, um, for kind of a summer read, it's Wild, From Moss to Found on the Pacific Crest Trail by Cheryl Strayed, which I think was also made into a movie. Yeah,
1: a movie. that's right, yeah. hmm Ree- Witherspoon. The <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but it's a great one. It's also a memoir, um, and it's about um, Cheryl Strayed, who at 22 decides to kind of Reset her life and she hiked the Pacific Crest Trail by herself, um, which is like 1,100 miles or something like that. Um, And it's kind of less focused on the action and more focused on kind of her journey to like self discovery. And she lost her mom to cancer, so it's kind of a reflection on that as well as her marriage kind of falls apart. Um, So it's kind of uh, the act of hiking. I Nature mean, really acts as a of a healing aspect for her life, and yeah, so she kind of does it and learns a lot about herself along
1: the way. <laughs> yeah, that's a wonderful book. I had a chance to interview Cheryl Strait on this program. She's, she's <laughs> oh, a, awesome! She's a great, uh, great interview. Uh, what's uh, what's next on your list, Shana? Uh,
4: so I also chose a, a young adult book next. I recently read *Greenheart* for the first time. What was it called? Um,
1: well, say it again.
0: Jean by Cornelia
4: Funk Inkheart okay. so I don't know if my phone's working very well.
0: Yeah, we're getting a little interference, but yeah. Um
4: and it's I think it's a trilogy, the Inkheart trilogy. Um but it's also kind of a book for book lovers cuz um the main characters both love books. Um all the main characters actually and her the main character's dad is like a book doctor, he like repairs books and stuff. <laughs> mm, and her I aunt could. owns the library that would make all book book lovers kind of salivate. Um, but it's a fan book and she kind of learns a secret about her family and it kind of leads her down makes her through this place. Mm. Uh grand adventure, so I won't spoil anything, but she finds out stuff about her dad that he hasn't been telling her and she learns that she can do it too and they both kinda of bond over that and yeah it's a fun uh
0: book
1: about kind of family and um scripts. <laughs> and, books. It was fun. and I, I noticed i just uh typed it up here i know it's been made into a movie
0: of course yes it was also awesome. yeah, movie okay. <laughs> which i also <laughs> so, didn't see though
1: yeah but read the book first yeah and <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> do you have uh anything else on your list Shana?
4: Um, those are kind of the ones
1: have. Okay, great. That's great. That's Thank a, you. That's a that's a great great list. And and uh, tell us again, a Central Book Exchange in Sugar House. Uh, what what's the concept? You you exchange well, books, I guess.
0: We sell
4: used books mostly. Um, people can bring their books into us. We give them either cash or points for their books. And then they choose the points to buy books in our store at reduced prices. So okay. it kind of helps them get rid of the books they don't want and
3: get new books that they might want to read more. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Great.
1: Wonderful. Uh, Shauna Meyer with Central Book <coughs> Exchange in Sugar Houses has, yeah. uh, has joined us with her list. Those sounds like some great books. We'll add those to the list, uh, Shauna. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Yeah, no problem.
1: Great Gay. Gay. You too. You too. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, then, let's take a, another break. When we come back, I've got uh, several more uh, lists from listeners, and we've got more on your list as well. Um, I've got one or two. Oh,
0: good. I was going to say, have on, you been on reading my, <laughs> my, my, my <laughs>
1: list? I continue to uh, to to uh, read through the Civil War, so it's uh, oh, great. kind of some of the same books I'm finishing up from what mm-hmm. what, what what I shared before. Um, Ron Chernow's Grant. uh oh. this is Grant. Grant's wonderful. It's a very long book. I'm still still making my way through it. Uh, James McPherson's uh, Battle Cry of Freedom. Oh yeah, which was recommended to me by my close personal friend uh, Tonawasis Coates. Um, <laughs> I read. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking, of course, but I uh, he had in the Atlantic Magazine or somewhere he he recommended some books about the Civil War, and that was one of them. And it's a wonderful. It's a wonderful book. It's from the 70s or something, but it's uh, well worth uh, picking up. So those are a couple on my list. Um, I'll share a couple more Lane will as well. Following this break.
3: Congressional investigators say hundreds of millions of dollars of
1: opioids like fentanyl are
3: coming into the U.S. by mail.
1: How many more people have to die before our own postal service takes the measures that we know can be taken to be able to stop these poisons?
3: I'm Audie Cornish. Why opioids are so easy to order by mail and so hard to stop, this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News.
1: Join
2: us today from 3 to 6.30 with Shalane Smith, Needham on Utah Public Radio.
1: Global trade policy is uncertain right now. So, what do you do if you run a global technology company? If you have knowledge that the technology that you're working on is going to be relevant, regardless of how those near-term decisions, political decisions, are made, you tend to have some confidence. I'm Kai Rizdal. How one chip maker is betting on the future in a chaotic present. That's next time on Marketplace.
2: Join us tonight at six thirty on Utah Public
1: Radio. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah, and uh, we have another uh, seven or eight minutes left. It'll be a sprint to the finish here. we got <laughs> several emails from listeners and want to get those in, and you could get your uh, list in as well, Upraccess at gmail.com, Upraccess at gmail.com. We'd love to know what you're reading, and we're compiling a UPR community book list. We'll have this up later today on our website, upr.org.
0: I love uh, talking to readers. This yeah, great to hear is, what they're reading.
1: It is wonderful. Uh, just one more on Civil War, and I think I've mentioned this before, but it's a wonderful book. It's called The Impending Crisis, America Before the Civil War. And uh, this was uh, published uh, after the death of the author, David Potter, by his colleague at uh, Stanford University. Um, but it's it's the years leading up to the Civil War. So if if there's a debate, and there has been a debate, on what caused the Civil War and what could have been done to prevent it, if anything... Uh, this answers a lot of those questions, the hmm. impending crisis. And I'll just add one more. Um, I always have P.G. Woodhouse on yes. my nightstand. I <laughs> like, love P.G. Woodhouse. Like
0: me and Dorothy Sayers. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, it's light. It's so delightful. P.G. Woodhouse started writing in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. He lived into the 1970s. He was in his 90s. Um, and uh, I, I love the Moliner books and the golf books and uh, the Jeeves and Wooster books. The one I'm reading right now is uh, uh, the first uh, the first Jeeves. It's, it's when oh. Jeeves makes his appearance into Bertie Wooster's life. It's called Carry On Jeeves. <laughs> and from the opening moments, you get that Woodhouse shine. It's just wonderful. Uh, so what's uh, what's the next book on your list, Elaine?
0: Well, you know, I think I'm going to mention I, I, I was challenged by a Facebook friend to post... Uh, a week worth of my favorite books. Uh, the word was books you love. And I thought about what books do I love? And I think of myself primarily as a fiction reader, but I I kind of thought of this as books that have changed my life or, you know, it, pretty profound books for me, and many of them are nonfiction. Um, I'm just going to mention one or two here. Um, a Garlic Testament, Seasons on a, New, a Small New Mexico Farm by mm-hmm. Stanley Crawford. What a wonderful book that is. And it's uh, just just about growing garlic mm-hmm. and life, you know. It's a wonderful small book. And another favorite of mine is Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie. Oh, wonderful. Um, which wh- which has to do with the date of partition of India mm. and um, the people who were born on that night.
1: Mm. Those, those sound wonderful. Yeah. And these are books that changed life. Yes. Uh, kind of, oh, wonderful. Um, so uh, here are some emails from listeners Gary and Logan has been reading three books by Kevin Kwan Crazy Rich Asians, China Rich Girlfriend, and Rich People Problems Uh, Gary says a trilogy of hilarious novels about a young Chinese-American woman's encounter with the lavish lives of Singapore's elite class soon to be a movie the first major studio film in more uh, more than 20 years to feature an all-Asian cast the film is also titled Crazy Rich Asians and comes out of out in August.
0: Mm, sounds interesting. Uh,
1: Kathy uh, says, I'm currently reading We Were the Lucky Ones by Georgia Hunter. We Were the Lucky Ones by Georgia Hunter. I'll have to check that one out. And uh, here is uh, Susan in uh, Newton. Susan has a list. I thoroughly enjoyed All Delight We Cannot See by Anthony Duer. So that's yes. mentioned twice. Yes. We'll have to find uh-huh. an interview and, and <laughs> put that on. Set in France during the Nazi occupation, this book has interesting and quirky characters as well as beauty, realism, and history. Its short chapters make it a good choice for people who don't have large blocks of time for reading. Uh, next book up, uh, on Susan's list, Summerland by Michael Chabon. Is that how you pronounce his name, Sh- Chabon? I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, it's a very familiar writer, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry I don't know how to pronounce his name. A contemporary Pulitzer Prize-winning author is a perfect book for summertime. It might be good for occupying time on a long family road trip. The story includes uh, baseball, two young friends, a single geeky father, a, a dirigible, <laughs> a homemade airship, and heroism. You've sold me right there, uh, Susan. <laughs> I think it would have a special appeal for readers ages 7 to 14, but but I read it when I was 62 and enjoyed every word. <laughs> uh, the next up is Story of Edgar Sawtell. It's a book about a small family in rural Wisconsin that breeds uh, dogs. Uh, Edgar Sawtell, the central character, was born mute and has special relationship with these especially intuitive dogs. In this coming-of-age story, a few topics may be most appropriate for adults, but I think it would appeal to young adults, especially those dealing with the loss of a parent. And Susan says, I'm currently in the middle of Falling Upward by Richard Rohr. This little book was recommended to me by many people. Um, Father Rohr, a well-loved Franciscan theologian, uh, melds classic literature, Jungian psychology, the Bible, contemporary life, and the human condition into a unique spirituality for the second half of life. Everyone won't agree with Rohrer's liberal theology, but the book draws on a wide range of thinkers and traditions, is a full of hope and insight and unique vision, uh, the way the human failure can lead to a deep and fulfilling spiritual life. That's Susan in uh, Newton, Utah. Thank you for those. Then here's Glenn. Glenn says, I do not recommend these books at bedtime. I do not watch Old Yeller anymore because it'll make me cry every time. The same goes for Where the Red Fern Grows. Uh, Glenn, I'm right with you. I yeah, can't. I can't nope, watch those. Nope. Uh, Cujo is okay unless you're <laughs> fu- uh, into that. Uh, once was enough for me. Jack London comes to mind. I like the story. I like stories about dogs, as we can tell. Uh, I found three at Costco the other day. Devoted, thirty-eight extra tales of love, loyalty, and uh, tales with uh, dogs. The other two have the same subtitle with prefixes of loving and loyal. These are written by Rebecca Asher Williams. The reason why I don't recommend them at bedtime is because you'll pick one up thinking that you'll read one or two of the short stories and end up reading three-quarters of it. Around midnight, (laughs) you'll find yourself justifying just one more. (laughs) Coincidentally, I don't watch uh, Brother Bear anymore because I'll cry. But uh, if anyone out there has suggestions for books about bears, uh, we'll put that out there, Glenn. Happy 65th anniversary to UPR. You guys don't look it, says Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. appreciate that. Uh, you can get a quick email in to access at gmail.com. Uh, anything else? Another book on your list? Well,
0: I will Very say, um, again, back on my seven top books, um, The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. It's a, a novel. Um, probably the reason I like it so much, I mean, it's It's science fiction, but not Like you think, it's um, about colonizing another planet that has inhabitants already. It's about the cultural differences between the Earthlings and these these people on the other planet, and it brings in religion. Um, There's a there's a chaplain or you know or a a a priest that joins the expedition, and all of the um, the moral questions arise in this book. It's just an amazing book the sparrow by mary doria russell
1: oh that's wonderful and it's,
0: it's it's very anthropological
1: okay we'll have a lens full list up on our website uh, all of these books will be up on our website upr.org uh, and if you're tuning in in the evening um you can email us and we'll get that on our book list as well and i'll mention it in the next program Upraccess at gmail.com Access at com. thanks to everyone who has responded uh, uh, proof, once again, Elaine, that uh, public radio listeners are avid readers. It's, it's a nice, nice the community. best
0: group I know, yep.
1: Um, and uh, tomorrow, I hope you'll join me for a discussion about uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault. Women's Giving Circle is uh, putting on a panel discussion. The Slippery Slope of Sexual Harassment is what it's called. I'll have two of those panelists on with me uh, tomorrow. And I uh, hope you'll join me uh, again tomorrow. Elaine, thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure. And thanks for listening today to Access Utah. Coming up, the P.T. debut of Armenian pianist and composer Tatev Amaryan. She was thinking of life and beauty when she wrote this engaging piano solo, a piece inspired by Armenian folk music. We'll hear Amaryan at the piano playing her own composition on the next performance today from APM.
2: Join us tonight at 9
0: on Utah Public Radio.